Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast. WILK News Radio. Life is beautiful. It's the year 2023. This is the Bob Cordaro Show, and I am he. It is a big day to fight for America, defend our values, and honor the brave who have made us and kept us free. People like Gail Andrews of Taylor, Wayne McGladry, formerly of Scranton, late of York, Thomas Langan, Trips Park section of West Scranton. Bernard Shipkowski, Hanover Township, born Nanticoke. Anthony Sposito, the attorney. Crystal Lake, formerly Carbondale. Tony Fata, Scranton. Baltimore, Baltimore cop. Bill Cusick, Scranton. Veterans we lost in June and July, who we pay tribute to, along with their families today. Somebody said, maybe you can get Chris Christie to listen to your show. He could probably benefit from that Be the New You program. He could. You know that? Be the New You would actually be perfect for Chris Christie. Because the beauty of the Be the New You is they're basically fooling and manipulating your metabolism. And you could eat. And one of the things that I loved about it the best was that when you exercised, you got to eat more. Like, you don't, exercise is not required or even part of the program. And they tell you if you exercise, you need more protein. You know, so I'm doing my push ups in the middle of the, you know, during the show. And uh, I got to eat another piece of steak or chicken or whatever. Yeah, Chris Christie. It would be good for him because he's uh, he's he's a he's a large, round man. And uh, by the way, somebody texted in. I don't know. They actually emailed in, not and not somebody. Our friend Gene Fisher. He said, "I don't know if you had a chance to watch the Republican debate." Well, yes, I did. Fox News, owned by uh, Rupert Murdoch. Uh, and and they were concerned about the climate change agreement or question. Well, it's a natural question, and I, I say this in debate, in context of debates. The harder the question, the easier the answer. 
And none of the uh, men and women on the dais, the Republican wannabes, stepped up to the plate and called it out for what it is. I mean, they said it, but nobody, somebody should have just taken charge and started talking about it. And here's my response to Gene. He said, I'm not agreeing with you on that, that it was a part of the, the Fox News cabal, that, that they're part of the New World Order or whatever. It, for me, it was an opportunity for all of them to hit it out of the park on the climate change conspiracy, and they just didn't get it done. I have my suspicions about this, this generation, meaning Murdoch's sons, but the question was a perf- perfect setup to crush the left. And I say, my debate rules, the tougher the question, the easier the answer. Always the case. I wish I could have prepared some of these uh, people because I'm telling you, it's it's easier. Now, we have had in the past Mark Mix and... He has always told us where things stand in terms of labor, in terms of the right to work. And he is with us now to talk about something that has developed over at Southwest Airlines. And we welcome him back. Mark Mix, how are you? I'm doing fine, Bob. I was listening to your narrative about the debate. I didn't get to watch it. I was on an airplane most of the evening, so I'm catching up as we go. But I appreciate uh, your take on it for sure. Yeah, I mean, they all did fine. It wasn't, uh, you know, nobody did. Nobody broke out, but nobody hurt themselves irreparably. And uh, my guy DeSantis, uh, he got his points across. But uh, and and you know, just to continue on the thread. I think Nikki Haley was a little too shrill, and she, she's calmer than that and better than that. And I thought that, uh, oddly enough, the vice president, the former vice president, Mike Pence, he was ignorant. <laughs> it's oh. just, it's just not him. <laughs> wow. Well, now, wow. Um, the Right to Work Foundation, National Right to Work Foundation, of which you are the president, does great work in defending workers very often against the very unions that claim to represent them. And yes. you were, you wanted to talk today about a case versus Southwest Airlines, a flight attendant, Charlene Carter. Now, she filed yeah. a federal suit back in 2017, fired for expressing religious opposition to her union, the Transport Workers Union. Yep. Tell us about that and, and tell us as it has developed. Yeah, Bob. Well, thanks. It's good to talk with you again about this issue because it one it highlights the injustice of forced unionism. Charlene Carter was a 20-year employee of Southwest Airlines as a flight attendant. She had an unblemished employment record. But once she sent a private message to the union official of the Transportation Workers Union president that represent, quote, I'm using my finger quotes here, Bob, who represented her in the workplace, that union president went to Southwest Airlines and said that they had to fire Charlene because she was harassing her. This is a, they, a member of the union talking to the union president, nothing to do with Southwest Airlines, yeah. but she was being harassed. And so Southwest complied. They fired Charlene. Charlene filed the lawsuit back in 2017. As you mentioned, we're on a, this five-year legal odyssey, almost six years now. And 
The jury back in July of last year awarded Charlene $5.1 million, said the union and Southwest had to pay and compensate her for punitive and compensatory damages. Southwest had to give her her job back because of the discrimination and the violation of Title VII. And needless to say, Bob, the union and Southwest are appealing these cases all the way through. But two things that have developed recently is Southwest has been held, been sanctioned by the judge in the case, not once, but twice. First, for not allowing particular employees to show up for discovery and depositions by basically not making them available. And now, because after the judge ruled that Southwest needed to send out a notice to all the flight attendants saying they do not discriminate based on religious views, Southwest <laughs> Even did exactly though they the do. opposite. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. They sent out a, they sent out a statement that was one. 180 degrees opposite of what the judge ordered them to do. And so now the judge has issued a sanction order back a week and a half ago saying, look, you, I'm not going to take this. You guys are going to do what I tell you to do. You're going to do what the court orders you to do. And obviously Southwest is appealing that ruling. Uh, the, the unions are sitting on the sidelines waiting for an appeal for the case. But this is just another example of how union officials, and in this case, a woke company who basically said, you know, we will hold you to the same standards that got Charlene, Charlene Carter fired from her job if you decide to go down that road. That was exactly opposite of what the judge said. And so they've been, they've been sanctioned for a second time. And it, it just keeps going. And this is, you know, a big, huge company and a big union that's got plenty of legal support both the union and the company, up against an individual employee trying to stand up for her personal beliefs that have nothing to do with the airline, nothing yeah. to do with the workplace, but have everything to do with the union using her money that she must pay as a condition of employment for political activities she disagrees with. Well, it's an uh, outrage. we're talking to Mark Mix. He is the, uh, pre the president of the Right to Work Foundation. And two two questions. First being, was the jury verdict joint and severable, the $5.1 million jury verdict against the union and the airline, or was it just against the airline? It was for both. It was the Transportation Workers Union and the airline. It Is it joint and severable, or were they assigned yeah. a certain amount of uh, liability each? They were assigned a certain amount of liability, and that liability, the $5.1 million, got reduced down because of the, pun the statutory caps on punitive and compensatory damages under Title VII. So I think each of them are responsible for 50% of what will be, finally, when this gets settled, uh, roughly 800000 to maybe a million dollars. So it's, a, it's a, still, a, I mean, not the numbers you would have hoped for, but but a big number, and the, and just having punitives in there demonstrates that they were both very wrong because juries just don't do that. Uh, second question: uh, Was it your belief, and did the trial show that Southwest was being woke, as you say, or were they simply intimidated by the union? Ah, Bob, you're onto something there. You know, it's interesting. Southwest, I think, has 11 labor or 12, 12 labor contracts. And the one that, that, is in, you know, that basically rules the working conditions of the flight attendants was being negotiated at the time. And it turns out, I think they just That's the TWU, closed that right? Yeah, the, T, the Transportation Workers Union Local 556. That contract, which was a national contract for all the flight attendants for Southwest, was being negotiated at the time. It was closed in negotiations. And I think 10 of the other 
uh, well, I think nine of the other contracts were still in negotiation, hadn't been closed. So I think there was the union said, well, look, you know, you need to you need to help us out here. Maybe we'll help you out at the bargaining table. But once again, Bob, to your point initially, this is the union that claims to represent the employees. Yeah. But yet they go they go and demand that one of their, quote, members, unquote, be fired for, quote, harassing them about the political stance. I mean, this this it culminated when the when the transportation workers union spent union money to send a couple of dozen or something like that workers to Washington to protest President Trump and the the Planned Parenthood march, you know, the pink hats yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, and right. Southwest had their logo on the banner, et cetera, and showing who has a personal view on that particular issue just couldn't take it anymore. She told the union official previously that she was going to support someone in an election recall election of the union president. That got the union official started. And then this this private communication through private Facebook feeds said, finally got the union official to say to Southwest, you got to fire this person. And Southwest complied. Thank God for the Right to Work Foundation and you guys fighting for uh, individual workers because to I am pro-private unions, but to say that there is not corruption of this kind and, and unfortunately political lunacy of this kind in these unions would be very wrong. And, and they're using it against their workers. Yeah. She did get her job back, but believe it or not, Bob, she still has to pay fees to the union in order to keep her job. She's back in the air flying again, doing what she loved to do and what she dreamt about. But she still has on pay the union money to keep so, her job. So that's well, Supreme, we're it too. the Supreme yeah. Court decision that uh, allowed people to with or to well allowed people not to pay union dues if they chose not to be part of the union does not apply here. Yeah, right. That was the Janus decision. We argued and won that case at the U.S. Supreme Court back in June of 2018, and that freed every government employee in America at every level of government saying you can't be forced to pay fees to a union in order to work for your government. So that was a right-to-work protections for all government employees. But she's under the Railway Labor Act, which is the national law that adjudicates you know, issues between airline employees and railroad employees. And interestingly enough, Bob, even though the case came in Texas, which is a right-to-work state, which says you can't be compelled or lose mm-hmm. your job if you don't pay dues or fees, it didn't cover her because the Railway Labor Act is exempted from the state right-to-work law. So it's complicated, but to your point, you know, being for private unions is a good thing if they're voluntary. But when they use compulsion and they choose to use force, and that force comes as a condition of your employment, of your livelihood, that's when things go off the wire and off the rails, and they've gone off the rails here. And we're trying to fix it through litigation and legislation for that matter. Well, I know your man Jacob will get back to me when there's further developments in this or any other case. Mark Mix, uh, president of the Right to Work Foundation, so happy to have you on the Bob Cadaro Show again. Uh, anytime you you want to talk to us and talk to our audience, we're here for you. Thank you, Bob, and I'll I'll hang around and listen to your uh, further takes on the debate. Okay. All right. Well, you might have to <laughs> go to ilknewsradio.com, dot com, but uh, All right. but, but we All are right. available. You're gonna hang up on me. You're gonna hang up. I'm gonna on hang me. up on that? you, but we're we're available worldwide at any time. All right. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> Thank, including this interview. All right. Mark Mix, National Right to Work Foundation, uh, doing great work. Doing great work for workers. Remember, unions are supposed to be representing workers, and when they don't, when they represent their own interest over that of the workers whom they're supposed to represent, that's when this group comes in. Mark Mix. We'll be back. 1989, Major League Baseball Commissioner A. Bartlett Giamatti 
banned Pete Rose from baseball for life for gambling in the games when he was a manager. Probably did it when he was a player, too. Uh, I knew Pete Rose a little bit because I had him on my sports radio station back in the 90s. And he did a creditable show, and I went down to Florida because we were looking at the studio for another guy we had on the air, Papa Joe Chevalier, to syndicate him nationally. And he had a studio in Boca Raton at a bar. Nice setup, good setup. And um, met Pete and watched him operate a few days. He was just a huckster. He was just a huckster. He was not a nice person. I I, I sort of, I'm still up in the air as to whether he should be banned from the Hall of Fame or not. But, uh, yeah, Pete was not. He wasn't a warm and fuzzy guy. We'll put it that way. The people that we do feel great about and who we lost in June and July are our veterans who we're paying tribute to today. Bill Cusick of Scranton, longtime uh, CPA, drafted in the U.S. Army. Wife, Margaret Peggy Cusick, wife of 55 years, three children. Tony Fada. Now, he was a Baltimore cop, survived by his wife, Susan. And they're from Gettysburg, late of Scranton, born in Scranton, rather. Four children, including a child who's 13. U.S. veteran, he was a Marine, Baltimore City cop. Attorney James Posito, born Carbondale, late of Crystal Lake. Administrative aide to our friend Frank Serafini. And uh, among the other things, he was involved in all kinds of businesses and a real character, really liked him, Jimmy Spazito. And he dedicated and gave 70 acres of land near Merle Sarnowski Park. Uh, right near our guys up at Camp Freedom, dedicated to his father and uncles, four brothers who were breaker boys for the coal company. It's called the Spazito Preserve. Thomas Langan of the great Trips Park section of West Scranton. And Joe from Trips Park likes that, as you should, Joe. U.S. Army, U.S. Postal Service. And uh, I, t- I can't brag enough about Trips Park and, and the people that they sent to our military. Bernard Shipkowski. Three children, Hanover Township, born Nanticoke, U.S. Navy veteran during the Vietnam War. Served. Then he goes back and he serves as a captain in the U.S. Army, Bernard Shipkowski, during Desert Shield and Desert Storm. Hmm. Registered nurse, worked at Wilkes-Barre General Hospital. Wayne McGladry, late of York but born Scranton, PA, state cop. 25 years, 10 years in the United States Army Reserves. Four children survive him along with his loving wife, Dawn. And then Gail Andrews, Taylor, spent the entirety of her career with the United States Army. She was a traffic management specialist. Logistics are what makes the our military great. 
<laughs> it's, it's the only way you can fight a war. She was uh, provided key support during Operation Desert Storm. Those are the veterans we remember today. We remember their families, too. They were much a, as much a part of this as, as the veterans themselves. Somebody texted in, Bill Cusick, a real gentleman. One of our veterans. I love when you guys acknowledge them. I don't get to all of the things but uh, that you send in about them, but I, but I like it. Bird from Mountaintop says, Oliver Anthony will be okay as long as he doesn't take the $8 million bait that the system is dangling. I, I'll be very disappointed if he doesn't take the $8 million bucks. I'm sorry, Bert. Uh, Bert continues, he'll be okay as long as he doesn't sign a contract from a major record company. I think he'd be crazy not to. Uh, somebody was saying that uh, in in texts, they said you won't like uh, you know what you you're gonna hear about him. Well, I, and 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 the context was, I guess, because a number of you text, so it's sort of uh, as as I'm talking about it an hour or so later after the text, it's a bit muddled in my mind. But essentially, he's critical of Republicans and Democrats. Uh, when they discuss, well, who are you talking about? I, I agree. If a Republican's wrong, they're wrong. That the party happens to have the only sensical philosophy, and that's conservatism. That's freedom. That's independence of government. That's reduced government. But they obviously don't always live up to that ideal. So. I don't care if he criticizes Republicans or doesn't like them. The song speaks to many of us who see an elite, self-appointed, I might add, a government bureaucracy and those who make money because of and in concert with the bureaucracy and then the cabal of media, academia, Government unions, NGOs, all of them working together against us and pursuing a left-wing agenda which benefits them, or at least they perceive it to. That's who he's after. Power in this song. That's how it reads to me. And, and again, I, I don't care what his personal political views are. I'm praising the song and the message, and I'm down with it. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and we'll play Oliver Anthony. It's the Bob Cadaro Show. Great to see, because I, I, I have this cough and things, and I don't want to. Plus, so many of you have had this type of operation. And uh, it really knocks the hell out of you. And visitors, as he was advised by his friend uh, Michael Corleone, uh, shouldn't you just shouldn't have a lot of visitors right after you get this done because you got to recover. You can't be entertaining people. So uh, he's getting better and he's on track, and that's 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 the most important thing. Uh, they text back, if Oliver took the $8 million, you would have never heard his music, meaning they, you think they would have swallowed it? 
I don't know. We'll take it now, though. You got the song out. They've got to give you whatever message you want to deliver. We'll find out if he's a radical lunatic, but uh, this song sings to me. And I still listen to Bruce Springsteen. Somebody pointed it out in a text. I still listen to Bruce Springsteen. And he doesn't know his arts from a hole in the ground. There's no clue what he's talking about when it comes to politics. He's an illiterate. That doesn't reduce the value of his music. Gene texts in an accurate or, or emailed in an accurate description of the new COVID-19 variant would be the election variant. <laughs> you may just be correct. <laughs> and I went on about that yesterday. Well, Lorraine is on the blower and uh, she says she's got a poem for us. Hi, Lorraine. How's everything in Hazleton? Oh, dreary. How are you? <laughs> Uh, my you know, friend, my friend from North Carolina says, you know, the people, you know, northeastern Pennsylvania he says the uh, the sky is gray, the buildings are gray, the people are gray. <laughs> yeah, and I'm blue. Listen, I just wanted to know. I called. I want to. Is this the warm and fuzzy guy of WILK? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would be considered warm and fuzzy, but I, I would. I would appreciate that thought. Yeah, you're my warm and fuzzy guy. <laughs> you're my warm and fuzzy honey, <laughs> bunny. <laughs> so there you go. I made your day. It went, yes, it went you, from you gray do. to whatever, pink. <laughs> you always do. Well, uh, fire <clears throat> okay. away, Lorraine. Give us your oh. poem. Okay, speaking of stuff. Well, this is called Meaningful Words. A few words can either make you or break you. I guess it depends on how they're expressed. Some can leave you feeling elated. Then there are those that may make you depressed. If you want to keep peace and harmony, please think before you begin to speak. Sometimes words are spoken in such haste. You may then find yourselves a little bleak. Try having a conversation with a cheerful spirit because life can become pretty rough. Gentleness may soften the hardest of hearts. You may discover that this person isn't really so tough. When you seem to be having a bad day, (laughs) please remember that someone might be having one worse. Kind words will hopefully lighten one's mood, and I can guarantee that you won't have any remorse. Nice. I like it. I like it. Well, they're, they're, all, they're all good. Me or the poem. <laughs> they're all good, both. Yes. They're all good, Lorraine. I appreciate that. Yes. See that? <clears throat> How are you feeling? Oh, with my fingers. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Your half fingers? And half. You have a little arthritis in. or what? No. What did you? Did you? Did you said you, your fingers. No, no. You, 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 you missed. You missed the punchline. You said, how am I feeling? I said, with my fingers. No. Lorraine, I told you. And I tell the bulldog the same thing. I oh. said, I'll tell the jokes around here, okay? Yeah, well, who, who are you? That woman fussy <laughs> guy? Don't forget, I make this show. <laughs> Don't you forget it. Oh, spoken like a true diva, Lorraine. That's spoken right. Like no, a that's true diva. right. <laughs> I, might, I might as well 
you know, calm as I see them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, darling. Thank you so much for the poem and checking in with us. I appreciate it, Lorraine. Okay, my warm and fuzzy honey bunny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you soon and talk to you even sooner. Okay, so long. <laughs> All right. We'll take a break on the Bob Cadaro Show. Frank Sinatra's waiting in the wings. Gerard Mayer's waiting in the wings. We'll take a break and be back. It's so hard for me to get to wakes anymore. And uh, you just have so many people at my age now and, you know, they're the next generation plus your own generation. And uh, I try to go. I was mentioning my friend Brian Korjeski, and you just can't you can't get there because most funerals now are, you know, they're not multiple days. And uh, so I was I was putting one in, penciling one in to try to get there. So uh, I apologize for coming back to you a bit uh, disjointed. Now, uh, it just came out because they're they're really searching this. By the way, Scavo says uh, new COVID variant variant designation. BS 24-7. <laughs> I like that one. I like that a lot. Uh, Hunter Biden. Now, I'm telling you this because the evidence is mounting. It is irrefutable and will no longer be ignorable at some point soon, particularly when they discover the overseas bank accounts. Okay. <laughs> 20 shell corporations, money going to nine members of a family, all involved with Joe Biden as vice president, all countries originating in all countries that Joe Biden did business with. Well, it turns out Hunter Biden visited 13 countries with his father. Now, please, unless he was four years old, don't tell me that that's normal and that that wasn't the grift. And and by the way, I don't care if Joe didn't get any of the money, even though Hunter says he did 50% by his calculation. And we know Hunter paid rent to his father for his father's house. And we know he paid household bills. There's proof of all of this. So Joe Biden directly benefited from it. His immediate family directly benefited from it, both of which are illegal. And even if you don't have the nexus where they say, oh, yeah, Joe will do this and then he gets this. It's beyond unethical. It's the worst ethical lapse and violation in the history of the country. But Hunter is now proven to have gone to 13 countries with Joe Biden as vice president. What was he there for? Let's use a Biden whisper. Go to YLK News Radio. This is the Bob Cordaro Show podcast. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.